to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. I uh, don't normally uh, continue a message. I just uh, preach till I feel like we're done. But I felt like this morning, before we ever started, uh, the Lord spoke to my heart about preaching part of the message this morning and then preaching the other part tonight. And so I pray that it will be a help to us as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And for the sake of time, we're not going to read the entire text. We preach down from verse number 11 down to verse number 16. And so we'll just pick up in verse number 17, read three verses of Scripture, and then have a word of prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 17. The Bible said, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you tonight for your word and thank you once again for your spirit. Lord, thank you for what you've done in this service already tonight, how that you have helped our heart through singing, through testifying, and Lord, just your presence that has refreshed us. I pray now that you'll give us liberty. Lord, I don't want to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. God, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that your son would be magnified and may the church be edified tonight. Lord, I ask most of all that we'd see no man save Jesus only. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. I'm not going to go back and say a whole lot about what I said this morning. Uh, you can listen to it or get it uh, on CD or listen to it on the website. Uh, but I just want to simply pick up, and we're preaching on the subject tonight of Bible separation. Bible separation. And here the Apostle Paul in verse number uh, 14 down to verse number 16, he talked about the principle of separation. And I think that's very important uh, that we mentioned this morning that separation uh, is a Bible doctrine. It's also a Bible principle uh, that we're supposed to live our life by. If we'll take that one principle and apply it to our life, if we'll apply uh, the Word of God, Paul gave six things here uh, that was essential uh, for Christian growth when it comes to uh, the principle of separation. He talked about righteousness. He talked about redemption. He talked about the reality and the reasoning uh, behind separation. All these things uh, uh, Paul did this that he might lay down to this uh, lay before this carnal worldly church uh, a very gifted church might I add but a very worldly church uh, uh, the importance of the principle of separation you say now preacher why is that so important because if we live by that principle we never have to ask somebody is this right or is this wrong it's, it's okay I think to go to the pastor and say preacher I've got a question is, is such and such right is such and such wrong but I think a better question question to ask is, does the Bible say this is right, or does the Bible say this is wrong? And there's a whole lot of things in life that the Bible does not list uh, in the Word of God. Amen? I'll use this illustration again. Uh, uh, listen, we could say that uh, uh, smoking is wrong tonight because it defiles the temple, but there's no verse of Scripture that says thou shalt not smoke. smoke. Amen? But I think there's a whole lot of other things that could fall in that same category uh, tonight. But what you have to do is take the principle 
principle of separation and say, is this right or is this wrong? Does this, uh, does this line up with righteousness or does it line up with unrighteousness? Amen? Is this something that, that would be a part of a believer's life or is this something that would be a part of an unbeliever's life? And when you start living by that principle, it always puts everything in perspective uh, as to whether or not we should do it or we should not do it. Isn't that right tonight? And so there's the principle of separation. And then I want to say tonight, and let me just stop and say this. There's precepts, there's principles, and then there's preferences. Amen? Uh, that's a whole other message within itself. But there is precepts in the Word of God that says thou shalt not. Isn't that right? Uh, there's precepts that said that's very clear that God said this is an abomination. You shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. And it's just in black and white. And we don't have to ask any question because the precept is there. Can I get an amen? amen. Adultery is plain and simple. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Isn't that right? Brother, that's a precept. God put it in that book. And then there's principles uh, uh, that we're to live by. And then, of course, there is preferences. And if our heart is right, our preferences will always line up with what God prefers and what pleases him. And so we see here the principle of separation. But I want you to look in verse number 17 tonight, and I want you to see the plainness of separation. The plainness of separation. Because when you come to verse number 17, you don't need a dictionary. You don't need a commentary. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have a Bible college degree to figure out what verse 17 says here. It's very plain. God said in this verse, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Amen. Now that's very simple tonight, isn't it? The Bible teaches us uh, uh, that we as Christians ought to practice separation. Amen. Now we're not to practice segregation. Isn't that right? And we're not to practice isolation, but we ought to practice separation. And that's very plain. We're not to be of this world. We're not to be in this world. Uh, listen, we can be a friend to a sinner without being a friend with a sinner. Isn't that right? And what liberals like to do, and what moderns like to do, is they like to say, well, you know, uh, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Uh, he sat down and he ate with sinners. And every bit of that is so. But Jesus was a friend to them without being a friend with them. Isn't that right? In what the difference is tonight is any sinner, I would eat dinner with any sinner. Wouldn't you tonight? That kind of rhymed, didn't it? That's a good motto. I would eat dinner with any sinner. Remember that. I mean, if somebody's lost tonight, I'd buy them a T-bone steak to give them a gospel, wouldn't you? Brother, I'm telling you to have one conversation with a lost person. And listen, I don't care if they have metal all in their face and they're all inked up from head to toe. I don't care what they look like. Wouldn't matter to me what, listen, uh, somebody walked in and saw me sitting there. I'm talking about, listen, if it was a woman, it'd be me and my wife with, uh, sitting with them. And I'm talking about, uh, listen, I wouldn't care if they had hair halfway down their back. If I could sit down by them a meal and give them the gospel, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Wouldn't you tonight? But I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to the bar with them. Amen. I'm not going to the dance hall with them. Amen. I'm not going to grow my hair out long and see if I can win some hippies. Amen. That's not no way to win them. 
I'm not getting a tattoo that says I love Jesus or a cross on it uh, so that I can try to win the, uh, the tattoo crowd. No, listen, I, that's not, you can't be a friend with them, but you can be a friend to them, amen? And what that means is uh, you never compromise what you believe. You never compromise where you stand in giving a sinner the gospel. And it's very plain here. Notice what he says. Uh, he said, wherefore, come out from among them. Now, separation, you know tonight, is twofold, right? Separation is separation to God, isn't that right? And it's separation from this world. And the reason I love that phrase are wherefore come. God said come before he said out. You see what he's saying tonight? God said separation is when you come closer to me. Y'all still with me? Let's don't have a method of service. Y'all made man the truth tonight. I mean, God said come. That means the first thing I do is take steps toward God. You see, that'll keep you from being a Pharisee. If all you do is have a list of things that you live by and you're just empty, then you're proud of your list. You're proud of your life. You, you feel like you somehow measure up. But I'll tell you something. If the first thing you do in separation is you start making your way toward God, you start reading your Bible, you start spending time in prayer, you start listening to preaching, you start speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, do you know what you're doing? You're drawing nigh to God. And the Bible said if you'll draw nigh to God, God. God said, I'll draw out of you. Amen. And separation is to God. That's what keeps you from being a Pharisee. It's your heart is toward him. You start making your way closer to him. And as you make your way closer to him, you're separating from this world. Amen. That's very plain, isn't it, tonight? The Bible said, come out from among them. I want to tell you tonight, when it comes to separation, loving God makes it so much easier to leave this world. Coming to him means that I have a heart for him. I love him. I long to be uh, with him. I want to say tonight, it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter how popular or accepted something is in society. Don't you be fooled by that tonight. You get your convictions, your principles, your beliefs from the word of God. What I'm saying is we're living in a time when it's popular to drop your convictions. Amen. We're living in a time when it's popular. All you got to do is go on social media and listen, you can see people nowadays. Uh, uh, listen, they, I mean, just seem like so many things uh, that used to be preached against and so many things uh, that used to be wrong. Now all of a sudden it's accepted uh, and it's being done by everybody everywhere and nobody never says anything about it anymore. Y'all believe that? I'll be honest with you. I don't care who's doing it. I don't care if preachers are doing it tonight. And some of them are doing a lot of things that's shocking to me. Standing at a great man of God's graveside with some other preachers, some that, that, that we went to college with. And one of them made the statement, he said, well, now that brother so-and-so's gone, I reckon we can do such and such. And I said, standing there, I said, well, if that's all that was holding you back, you should have done it a long time ago. I said, it made me fire-breathing mad. I want to tell you, my allegiance, I thank God for Brother Samuel. I thank God for Brother Stinnett Blue. They were my heroes. They were my mentors in the faith, fathers in the faith. I owe so much to those men of God. I tell you more than owing something to them. I owe who I am 
talking to. I'm not nothing tonight. But what little bit I know and what little bit I have, how it all to Jesus Christ. Amen. How it all to him. Our loyalty and our allegiance and the plainness of separation is we're not doing this for me. We're not doing this for a pat on the back. We're not doing this for someone to look at us and think we're spiritual. We're not doing this to stand up and boast and brag. No, we all deserve to be in hell. I'm telling you the very best we can do. We're still nothing. We're still not anything outside the grace of God. But separation is very plain. We do it for him, amen. You see tonight, the only reason you have standards in your life is because of the church you go to. Because of the way your preacher preaches, you've missed the boat tonight. Come out from among them and be a separate. Now notice this, saith the Lord. A lot of times people don't like it when a preacher preaches on separation. Your attitude, and I understand that sometimes preachers don't have the right attitude, amen? But don't let that be a hindrance in your life. Don't use that as a crutch. Don't use that as an excuse. Don't you drop what you believe and where you've stood down through the years and go off and blame some church or some preacher about it. I don't buy that, amen? I hear a lot of people this day and time, they say, well, I got hurt and I got hurt here and I got hurt there. We've all been hurt, isn't that right? And I can't tell you, I've, heard, I've heard people say, well, you know what? I just dropped all my convictions. You know, because everybody else did. It's not a good reason tonight. I was talking to someone that had been out of church a long, long time. And they said, I don't believe that way no more because of some things that had taken place. This person had been raised in church all their life. Godly mom and dad prayed for them. And I said to them, I said, you know, I don't believe that, that you don't believe that no more. I said, I think you still do believe it. I'll tell you, when I was a teenager growing up, I had good parents as far as character and teaching you how to work, and, but they weren't saved parents for a long time. They didn't care about a lot of things that we would care about because they didn't know God. There are things that, that and I'm not boasting in this flesh and so I don't misunderstand. There are things I could have done as a teenager. Thank God he did like that song. They sung, he delivered me from it. I didn't have to go down that path. You young people, listen to me. Look at me tonight. There's a lot of things I could have done at 14 and 15 and 16 and my parents probably wouldn't have saw anything wrong with. I'm glad I had another father that got a hold of me at 13 and he said, no, you can't do this. Don't do that. And he let some men of God come in my life that preached it right and they preached it tight and it kept me from the pitfalls and the snares and the scars of this world and I have no regrets. I'm so thankful that I never went down that road. I'm thankful that I heard some old time leather lung uh, uh, preaching straight out of the Bible the word of God that was plain where they didn't apologize about things uh, hey listen uh, it kept me in the right path uh, and I never wanted to go that way it wasn't because I was that spiritual as a teenager it's because the right kind of preaching will keep you on the right path you can leave this church tonight and go find a church they, they, they sing out of the red hymn book the, pre the, pre the preacher, the pastor's King James. They shout. They run the aisles and it sounds wonderful. Only one thing. They don't pull it quite as tight. You can do things there and live way there and not feel condemned about it. Coming to churches like this, we don't like to condemn nobody. But can I tell you, the word of God condemns all of us tonight. I, I like the plainness of separation. 
I like the fact that God doesn't apologize about convictions and holiness. I like the fact that he's very clear. Come out from among them. I, I brought you out of this world. Stay away from this world tonight. See, win this world. Witness to this world. But don't be like this world. Don't, don't dress like the world. Amen. I think tonight that Christians ought to dress like Christians. Can I get a witness on that? That means that our dress ought to be modest. It ought to be decent. It ought not be nothing abominable or revealing. We ought not call attention to our body. It's very unpopular preaching in this day and time, but we still need it. Amen. Our teenagers need to grow up in a church where they know, uh, listen, not just, uh, uh, not just, it's not just mentioned, but they need to know that you need to, uh, you need to clothe your body. You need to have, have modesty. You need to have decency about you. Hey, used to preachers would amen that, but now a lot of preachers won't even say amen to that anymore. And I'm telling you, friend, that's what's wrong with this society. And friend, I'm talking about the plainness of separation. Is it my friend? Uh, our dress ought to be different from this world. And I'm not just talking about the length and I'm not just talking about the looseness of it. And I'm talking about, friend, don't just follow worldly fashions all the time. You know, Brother Ladd went on vacation this week or this past week and he brought me a gift and I got it in my pocket. It's not a, it's not a snake, but it's about as bad as a snake. You know what it is? He brought me a shell necklace. He gave me that this morning. I said, give me that. I said, I'm preaching on it tonight. He said, I thought of you when, when I said, I, said, I brought you that necklace. I said, you know what? You just got about as much a chance, Brother Ladd, as getting a rattlesnake tied around my neck as putting that on. Amen. <laughs> you know, and, and they went to the coast. They didn't go to the beach because sinners go to the beach. Christians go to the coast, you know. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you tonight. There ought to be some plainness. When the preacher preaches on separation, don't bow your head. Don't let it be quiet as a church mouse, amen, in here tonight. Brother, if you believe in Bible separation, you ought to say amen to that. And I'll tell you, you ought to want your children to see you supported, amen. You want them to live separated, don't you? You want them to live different from this world. Then they got to know it's more than what the preacher believes is what the book says, amen. It's what mom and dad believes. It's what we believe as a church, not because it's something we think, but it's what the word of God says, and it needs to be plain. Our demeanor ought to be different. There ought to be joy and peace on our countenance. We ought to have contentment on our face. Our dialogue ought to be different. I'm talking about, friend, there ought to be no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace uh, unto the hearer. Amen. I'm talking about our desires ought to be different. Amen. We ought to have a desire to do his will, his work, his word, uh, and live in his way. Our devotion ought to be different. Amen. Uh, we ought to be devoted to God and to him alone. Amen. What I'm saying tonight is where we go, what we listen to, the way we live, what we say, who we hang out with, and the path that we choose in life should all be guided by a sincere devotion to God and a separation from this world tonight. No friends, no family, no fashion, not Hollywood, not liberal, carnal, so-called Christians. Uh, listen, ought to change anything that we believe tonight. If our best friend changes, if a family member changes tonight, if somebody that we have confidence in drops their convictions and standards, uh, it ought to not shake us one bit. It ought to not cause us to look over the fence at the world one bit. We ought to be dev so devoted to God uh, and so settled in who we are and what we believe and why we believe it that if everybody we knew walked away, we ought to still tote the line, hoe the row, and say, though none go with me, I'll still follow him. Amen. I'll tell you tonight, there's not a lot of things I've experienced, but I've experienced that. 
One of my pastors, someone I had confidence in and I still love dearly, called me one day to come over and preach a, a little breakfast service that they were having at the church. And after the service, we walked out. And this has been several years ago. But we walked out and he told me, standing there in the parking lot, he said, I'm changing on some things. I'm talking about somebody that helped me. I've said to him many times, I said, if it wasn't for you, I, if I'd have came to Bible Baptist, if it wasn't for sitting under you, I, I don't know. If there's so many things I learned under him as a pastor that helped me in pastoring. He said, I'm changing on some things. I said, what do you mean? I had no idea. That's why I'm changing on some of the music. I, I listen to country music now. I'm changing on some of the dress standards. I'm changing on, and he started listing things. I'm going to tell you something. My heart sunk in my gut. No more did it sink than something else rose up. And I said, I'm not going that way. I still love him. I still pray for him. I still think he's a man of God. I appreciate so much what he did, but I'm not going that way. Amen. I was sitting in a, eating lunch one day with some of you sitting here tonight will know exactly who I'm talking about. A man that has preached in this pulpit many, many times. In fact, probably the first 14 or 15 years, he probably preached every year for me whether it be in a revival meeting or a special service of some kind. He was a spiritual help to me. Further down the road than, than I was. We would sit at the table a lot of times and talk about the Bible and I never left, I never left a lunch, a dinner, or anything sitting in his presence talking about the Word of God that what it didn't help me and, and help me grow as a Christian. We're the same age. We're eating lunch one day and he said to me, he said, let me, let me talk to you about some things. And he started taking scriptures and quoting them and they were taken out of context. Well, that little red flag went up. He's a lot smarter than I am, but, but, it, but the Holy Spirit will help you. I said, well, that verse ain't in context. I said, now, brother, that, that ain't, you know that's not what that's meaning. He said, well, brother, I'm telling you, uh, I've studied this out. I, I'm seeing things. You know, when people start telling you after they preach something for years one way, when they start saying things like, I'm seeing things in a different light now, there ought to be a red flag go up. Tonight, he's still a friend of mine. We parted ways respectfully. And I'll tell you that for one reason tonight. I'm not perfect. I have a lot of faults. But I believe what I believe tonight. I don't just believe it. It's in that book. That's why we believe it. And it's hard to look at people you love when they start going another direction. It's so hard to say somehow you want to. Oh, I would give anything. Brother David, I would give anything tonight to go back and sit down one more time and talk with him about the word of God and, and hear him expound the scriptures and, and feed my soul just sitting at that table again. But how can two walk together except they agree is what Amos said and he, he went a different route. And, and I'll tell you, listen, that Bible's straight and that Bible's narrow and that Bible doesn't never change that course. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you it was a sad day to say Goodbye. If he called me tonight, I'd, I'd drive across the country to help him. I mean that. 
but I can't go that route. You see, tonight, it may be a friend in your life. It may be a family member in your life. I'm not telling you to cut people off, but I'm telling you there are lines you have to draw that you cannot afford to cross tonight. We tell our young people not to hang out with their own crowd, but I want to tell you, I'm more worried in this day than we're living in about mamas and daddies hanging out, out with the wrong crowd than I am young people hanging out with the wrong crowd. Because, brother, we're, we're living a time when moms and dads say, you can't have internet. Uh, uh, to some, you can't have a cell phone. And thank God, that's good advice. And, and you can't have a Facebook page or a social media page. And I don't think a teenager needs any of that stuff. And I, I think that's good advice and it's good counsel. But the problem is you have moms and dads. Uh, uh, they get connected with, with the wrong crowd. And they hook up with the wrong crowd. They start listening to the wrong thing. And all of a sudden, they go back to church. And that preaching that was so plain and that preaching that was so right for so long, all of a sudden, they start turning a deaf ear to that. The plainness of separation. Let me say this. I got to hasten on the purpose of separation. Look at verse 17, the latter part. You know, I asked myself, and I want you to ask yourself, what is the purpose behind living separated from the world? The Bible said here, touch not the unclean thing. God, why? Why is that so important? Look what he said. I will receive you, and I'll be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Almighty. I want to tell you what he is saying, but before I do that, I want to tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying that if you'll live a certain way in life and if you'll, if you'll live by a certain standard or rule in life that, that you can be saved and, and you can go to heaven. No, the Bible said it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to its mercy that he saved us. Amen. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So he's not talking about, uh, listen, relationship. What is he talking about? He's talking about fellowship tonight. God is saying this. I love you so much. I gave the only son I had. I love you so much that I think about you every day. I love you so much that my, the son prays for you. Jesus said, but I prayed for thee. I love you so much the Bible said he ever liveth to make intercession. I love you so much that I have gave you promise after promise. I love you so much that, that I'll walk beside you. I'll go with you always, even to the end of the world. I love you so much that I'll comfort you in your sorrow. I'll carry you in your grief. I'll walk with you through your valley. I'll see you through your storm. I'll help you up the mountaintop. I'll walk through the burning desert. I'll be there. I'll protect you from all of hell. I love you that much. And all I want is for you to love me back. And you can't love me and love the world. You can't love me and not live a separated life. The purpose of separation is this. Separation is not just a negative act of departure, but it's a positive act of devotion to God. Amen? It's not just coming out. It's not just saying that, well, bless God, I don't do this, and bless God, I don't do that. Hey, that's pride, friend, and God hates pride. But the whole purpose of that is, is that I don't live that life no more. I don't go that path no more. I don't do those things no more because he loved me so much. He rescued my soul. He saved me from a devil's hell. He's been good to me. He's been good to my family. He's blessed me. He's walked 
with me. And I'll tell you, as good as he's been to me, there's nothing in this world that I ever want to take his place. I want to wholly devote my heart and love to him. I want to live for him because I love him. Amen. And I'll tell you tonight, hadn't he been good to us? I've never went to God and had to worry or question whether or not he loved me the way that I was, he was supposed to or the way that he said he would. I've never went to God and ever had to worry about him turning his back on me. But oh, it has been different, hasn't it, on the other side. I want to tell you tonight, separation is not about you and your church. It's not about you and your pastor. It's about you and your relationship with God. You want to get in Canaan? You want to have victory? Start getting things out of your life. You want God's blessing tonight? I wrote down these things. Why do I live a separated life? Number one, because the Bible commands me to. That's a good reason, isn't it? Number two, because obedience pleases God. Number three, because it brings God's blessing upon my life. Number four, because it strengthens my walk with God. Not his desire, but it strengthens my desire. Number five, because it frees me from the world's attachments that hinder my spiritual walk. Number six, because it allows me to be more effective in my witness to the lost. You can tell people the gospel and witness, but they're looking at your life, amen? And when your words say one thing and your life goes in a different direction, they not only don't have any confidence in you, but they don't have any confidence in God, amen? And so it's important. I'll tell you a seventh reason I about shouted when the Lord gave me this, because I've seen how it works in my life. I've seen how it works in my spouse's life. I've seen how it works in my children's life. And I've seen how it works in the church that pastor. I want to tell you, friend, a bunch of Johnny-come-latelys that I said this morning may come out and say separation's not right, separation's not necessary, separation's not real. You don't need standards. You don't need convictions. You don't need to go to a church uh, where a preacher names everything and calls sin by name. I want to tell you something about that crowd. They can say it all day long. Uh, they can get as big of a following as they want, uh, but I know what's real. I know what's right. Uh, I've seen it work in my life. Uh, I've seen it work in my wife's life. Uh, I've seen it work in my children. I've seen it work in this church. And brother, you're too late. You're a day late and a dollar short to tell me and what we're doing tonight. It is, listen, I'm glad I have found the way. It is the way. It's the right way. It's a holy way. It's a blessed way tonight. Amen. Praise God. I'll tell you tonight, I thank God that when he to save my soul, he brought me out. Hallelujah tonight. I praise God, don't you, that I'm not what I used to be. Tonight, the purpose. You're going to be challenged sometimes by your family. We used to have Sunday afternoon cookouts when I got saved. That was the, that's what we did every Sunday afternoon. We went over and had a big, how many of y'all like hamburgers? If you're saved, you like hamburgers. Come on. But uh, we'd go over on Sunday afternoon and eat hamburgers and hot dogs and horseshoes. And of course, there's a lot of other bad stuff that went on too. But we were all lost. After I got saved... The Holy Spirit said, you need to go to church on Sunday night. And I can remember asking mom and dad, can I go to church? They said, tonight? 
There's saved people says that, don't they? <laughs> Tonight? He gonna start Wednesday night back? Mom, dad, mom said, you want to go tonight again? So I'd like to. Boy, my uncles and some of my cousins, they, they started coming around and said, now, now, hey, listen, we're glad for your experience. That's what they called it. But you be careful. You don't you get brainwashed. You read too much of that Bible, you'll lose your mind. That's what they said. Y'all ever heard that? Uh, you know, you, and then they said, you know, you're going to miss out. I'm so glad I missed out. I'm glad I missed out on that. Aren't you glad you missed out on that? You young people, thank God that you never did touch booze. You never did touch alcohol. You never did smoke. Don't you thank God you missed out? Don't you thank God you never been on a dance floor? Amen. Don't you thank God that you never got out there in this world? I'm just simply saying this tonight. Sometimes family, they'll despise what you do. Sometimes friends, listen, they'll stray from it and they'll try to pull you in that direction. Sometimes even this church world begin to minimize it. But you got to make your mind up. Where do you stand? tonight? What do you believe? What does the Bible say? I'm telling you when your children become teenagers don't you cop out. Don't you wear out. Don't you throw in the towel. Listen, if it was right when they was eight years old, it's right when they're 18 years old. Amen. Don't you back up and say, well, you know we're going to go to another church because we want to help them. No. You told the line. You stay the right way. You keep them under that preaching. You say, what if they go in a different direction? You pray and let them go and pray them back in. But don't you sell the farm. Don't you belly up. You stay with it. Amen. Don't you start dropping things when they get 13, 14, and 15. You teach them. I want to say in closing tonight, I've preached long this morning. I've preached long this tonight, but just can't help it. Don't want to. I want to say tonight the purpose is that we might have a closer relationship with God. I want to tell you tonight, the, the plainness is, is that God don't blend nothing when it comes to living a separated life. He's clear, crystal clear. And then lastly, the practice of separation. I want you to look at verse 7 because I want to give you this. It's the most important part of the whole message. How do you live a separated life? Chapter 7 and verse 1. God tells us very plainly how we practice separation. It's two things, two simple things. Number one, we must cleanse ourselves. That's separation from. You see, too often times as a Christian, we deal with the symptoms, but we don't deal with the problem. We come to the altar, we repent over sins, the same sin over and over, we keep confessing the same thing. There's positional separation tonight through the blood of Jesus Christ. He makes us clean. Isn't that right? That's on God's part. I could never, people, they like to, when they talk about separation, liberals like to say things like, well, you can't never live righteous enough. Or you can't, well, when it comes to salvation in my position, of course not. And that responsibility is up to Christ. And thank God the blood of Jesus Christ washes all our sins away and positionally we're sanctified. Isn't that right? But there's progressive sanctification. And that's in this verse. Notice what the Bible said. Having therefore these promises. What promise? The promise of fellowship. The promise that I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters. We'll have a wonderful relationship uh, one with another. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, look what he said. Let us. You ought to circle that word us. Let us. 
cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. Tonight, you say, preacher, I want to practice separation. How to do that? Start cleaning your life up. Start getting rid of anything and everything that grieves the Holy Spirit in your life. Listen to that still, small voice. Perhaps tonight it's filthiness of the flesh. It's some pet sin. He said, let us cleanse ourselves. Look at that again. From all filthiness of the flesh. That's outward. That's within the body. Perhaps tonight it's some pet sin in your life that keeps feeding the old nature, that keeps hindering your walk, your relationship with God. It could be the internet. It could be, uh, it could be music tonight. It could be uh, maybe you like to watch movies and you watch things that displease God and grieves the Holy Spirit. Throw them out. I remember several years ago uh, somebody that used to go to this church said, would you come pray in my house? I just feel like there's a, a bad spirit in, your house, in, in our house. And so I went over there to pray and they said particularly... I I know this sounds strange, but would you go to the basement and pray? So we went down into their den and, and as we went down, there was a movie tower there and I didn't look in that movie tower. I wasn't there to investigate their house or anything like that, but laying on top of that movie tower was a movie and the title of that movie was Hellboy. Looked like a demon. I said, do y'all watch that? He said, yes. I said, that's one of your problems. I said, brother, get rid of that. I don't know what that movie's about. Don't want to know what that movie's about. But just from that cover, I can tell you no Christian would ever watch that. A saved person that's carnal may watch it. But no Christian would watch that. Brother, I'm saying tonight, filthiness of the flesh, get it out of your life. If there's something, I bet you, if there's something in your life right now, you don't even have to wonder the Holy Ghost will put it on your heart right now. You will know right now, this robs me. Filthiness of the flesh. It could be something wicked, but it may be something that's carnal. It may be something that within itself, it's not just wicked. It's not like that movie I was talking about, but it's just so carnal. And we're all carnal, I understand to a certain degree. But I want to tell you, I don't want to be carnal. I want to be spiritual, don't you? And if you feed carnality into your life, you're going to just be a carnal person. You're just always going to be ate up with the things of this world. And so listen, separate. You say, well, I watch this little sitcom or I watch this little thing. I, it's just one little thing. Yeah, I know what that one little thing is. You know what it's called? It's a pet sin. I've had it. Anybody ever had a pet sin? You feed that pet sin. You nurture that pet sin. Just one little thing. It's a pet. Get rid of it if you want to be closer to God. Cleansing searching, looking. God, you remember when you first got saved, how if the Holy Spirit, you were so tender, you were so touched that any time the Holy Ghost just mentioned something, yes, sir, you wanted to move up closer. You wanted to get where God, you wanted to get all of God you could in your life. So you claim yourself. Secondly, let me say this, not only the cleansing of our flesh, but the cleansing of our spirit. Look what he said here. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and, and of the spirit. You see, there may be some here tonight that you would say, well, preacher, I'll be honest with you. I don't look at bad movies. I don't look at bad magazines. I, I don't do any of these things. I, I don't listen to rock music. I don't listen to country music. I don't listen to country, uh, contemporary music. And, and, and I dress right and do all these things that, uh, that, that I'm supposed to do. And, and just on and on and on, we could talk about a number of things that, that I do right. And I, and I read my Bible and I pray and I go to church and, and I'm doing all these things. That's commendable. What about your spirit tonight? 
Filthiness of the flesh is outward, but filthiness of the spirit is inward tonight. Practicing separation is cleansing ourselves both outward and inward. I'm talking about tonight. You may not do a lot of those things that I just mentioned, but you have a rotten attitude. Negativity. Anger. Ill-tempered. Bitterness. Malice. Envy. Maybe you're full of sarcasm. Maybe you're full of jealousy. Maybe you have an unthankful spirit. Maybe you have a long tongue and you enjoy gossiping or, or you like to gripe and, or you like to grumble. Maybe you're a fault finder. You're always seeing the wrong and everybody else. Maybe it's snootiness. Uh, you're proud and you're pious and, and you like to brag and boast and, and you think you're better than somebody else and, or you think that you're at least not like this person here. Uh, that's a filthy spirit is what that is. Uh, maybe it's self-centeredness. Uh, it may be vanity. You're always trying to, uh, to just uh, pour into yourself. I want to tell something. I hope I'm okay here. <laughs> My wife's more nervous than I am. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. I, my wife did more training and raising our girls than I did. But uh, sometimes, you know, they were all women, so they understood each other. There was three of them, one of them of me, so I'm just automatically outnumbered. So I was, a lot of times I just didn't even get involved in some things. But I remember, I remember this conversation. One hour in the bathroom. Go in, take a shower, get ready, print, put makeup on, do whatever you want, but only one hour. That was it. I didn't question it. It didn't take me an hour, I promise you that. That's what she told them coming up. You got one hour. Do whatever you want to. Stand in front of that mirror. You know, look at every hair on your eyelid and, you know, pluck and do anything you, but only one hour. I thought, what does that matter, you know? And one day I asked her, I said, why does, why does it, what does it matter? I mean, if they get up at five o'clock in the morning, if they're ready by, what does it matter? She said, vanity. I don't want them to grow up and get married and spend three or four hours in front of them here. Come on now. Oh, I, I thank God she told them to wear makeup. How many of y'all say amen right there? Well, I don't believe in makeup. That's okay, but have you ever seen some people? Some women look okay without makeup, but some of them. Some, they'd make a freight train, train take a dirt road, you know the old saying? I, I always look at it like it's a newborn, don't need no paint on it. Isn't that right? Hey, listen. An eight-year-old don't need lipstick. Somebody say amen. amen. They don't need eyeshadow. Let them be a little girl. Put pigtails in their, in their or, or put whatever, you know. Pigtails, bows, amen. Put all that, let them be a little girl. But I, I'll tell you this tonight, and I said this, no, a, a new barn don't need no paint on it. looks nice, but the older the barn... <laughs> Put a little more stripes on there, amen. <laughs> I don't care if you wear makeup or not. Don't wear cake up. Amen. Is that right? I see some of these young girls running around. They look like plastic mannequins. Am I telling the truth? And then people airbrush or do something to their face and put it out there. You know they don't look like that. I'm like, why do they do that? Because when we actually see them, we know they don't look like that. 
And if you're looking for a man doing something like that, he's going to get the shock of his life. <laughs> when he thinks he's marrying or, or going out to see some Hollywood actress, some flawless beauty, and then he sees you. <laughs> Crazy world. One hour, vanity. You know, it's, it's comical. Teenagers, like, girls like to primp, and I understand a part of that, but isn't it amazing the vain world we live in today? If you don't buy your clothes at a certain place, if you don't fit a certain style, amen, certain criteria in life, this is in today, this is out tomorrow. I saw a 50-year-old man wearing, Air, wearing an Air Apostle shirt the other day, 50 years old. I wanted to say, sir, they stopped doing that 10 years ago. Amen, but he felt young, I reckon. It is amazing. If you follow, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking, but I'm talking about vanity. Carrying thing to a, something to a point within your spirit. Grudge holding tonight. Never saying you're sorry. You can't be right all the time. Always the right attitude. I know it all spirit. Oh, we don't do all these other things, but we ought to cleanse ourselves of the filthiness of the spirit tonight. You know, if you take the prodigal son story, the two boys, that prodigal son, he didn't cleanse himself from the filthiness of the flesh because he'd been out in the world and wallowed in the hog pen of sin. But that elder brother who never left home, who did everything his father told him to do, he needed to cleanse himself of the filthiness of the spirit because he had a bad spirit that he couldn't even get along with his own father and his own brother. You know, I've met people, they had the right stand, but they had the wrong spirit. Amen. Cleanse yourself tonight of that tonight. That's practicing separation and then not only cleansing ourselves, but perfecting holiness. Look at this separation too. He said perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This involves growing in spiritual things. As we take out the world and carnal things, we ought to fill our lives with holy things, spiritual things. You say what things, preacher? Daily Bible reading. Daily prayer, memorization of the scripture, listening to preaching on the radio, the internet, our podcasts, go to our website. There's sermons. I think, <clears throat> Brother Caleb, if I correct me if I'm wrong, I, there's, there's over 500 sermons on that podcast that you can go back, revivals and jubilees, and you can listen to it, <clears throat> singing songs to the Lord, practicing a joyful <clears throat> attitude, fellowshipping with people of like faith who are strong in the Bible, convictions and standards, avoiding hanging out with people who want to live a loose life and who want to stop following people that are not following God. You see, separation is not a matter of just, of just separation, but separation in itself, here's what it's a matter of. It's a matter of surrender. It's a matter of your spirit. It's a matter of our seeking after God tonight as they come.